Amen, amen. Good to uh, see all of you. You know you're going to get a ton of greetings today, and, uh, but we welcome you, those that are here, uh, certainly those that are in Kutztown on 222 North under a tent on their new location. Let's give it up for K-Town, and uh, we're excited. Great to have you, and certainly uh, for you that are online, we welcome you. You know, we often say, you know, we are one church in two locations. Well, guess what? Really what GT is, is one church in many locations. And so wherever you're gathering today, however you're listening to this message, we certainly welcome you today. And it really is hard for all of us to believe that it's been March 8th since we've been able to meet in person, Uh, but yet God is faithful, amen? And so we are grateful for today, uh, and we're looking forward to a good time together. You know, I uh, was thinking about how many weeks now I've been preaching in an empty worship center and uh, how good it is to see uh, many of you today, to connect with you guys online, and we're grateful for what's happening in Kutztown. It's so exciting out there, so we're looking forward to a great day. Um, and I, I just want to say this, for those of you that can't be here at West Lawn or aren't at Kutztown, you know, we totally understand that, and we support you. Everyone's got to make a wise decision about where uh, God would have them. Again, time, distance, buildings, it, it really doesn't matter. We've been saying through this whole pandemic The mission of GT Church, of reaching people and growing together in Christ, hasn't stopped, amen? It really hasn't. We've we've heard many stories of lives that have been deeply impacted, and so if you're watching online today, we totally support that. I I can tell you this, since 2015, during my accident, I've had to use wisdom too, and so we totally uh, are with you on that, and uh, wherever we're gathered today as the church, it's going to be a good day. GT Church in many locations and we're so grateful for that. You know, uh, obviously, we've had, a, how many have had a lot of conversations with people? Okay, most of us. Some of you haven't said much, but hey, all right, that's okay. Uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback. I, I just want to say we've had conversations. My belief has been that COVID-19 has kind of been like that first domino that falls and knocks a lot of things down. And that's just what I felt. That was the picture that I got in my mind Uh, when I think about what's transpired since March. And you think about all the things since then, since that first domino, since those first closings that have gone on in our country. In fact, I remember at the beginning of the year, if you remember, we were studying the book of Proverbs. We were doing a series entitled Wisdom. And here's what Proverbs says. And just, it's really like the prayer of Solomon. Hear it. Proverbs 2, verses 3 through 5. Cry out for insight. It says cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. That's what we've all needed in this season. And uh, I know that we're crying out. We're praying for wisdom and direction. We've learned some incredible lessons during COVID-19. And um, I just wanna mention a few of them. Think of the adjustments we've had to make in life. I mean, think of how often you've washed your hands. Can you say amen? I never heard the phrase social distancing, but now it's like common vernacular. Think about that. The better awareness of our surroundings, of other people. Am I six feet apart? Am I being respectful of them? You know, think of the innovation. Think of all the understanding that we've, you know, derived during this. I was reading a scripture the other day in uh, 1 Chronicles 12.32, and it's almost like, our prayer. It talks about the men of Issachar. Here it is. From the tribe of Issachar, Old Testament, there were 
200 leaders of that tribe with their relatives, all these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. We often say, man, what kind of times are we living in? There's never, in our lifetime, there's never been something like the COVID-19 pandemic. And so we're saying, God, give us direction. Give us understanding. Um, We've been obviously talking and praying to God. We've been talking with each other. We've gotten great feedback. Thank you so much for those of you that have uh, responded to the survey. You've given us your feedback. It's so important. We've talked with our team, our, our volunteers, our staff. That's been so critical. I suspect we've all learned to rest and be patient. You know, it's been a very fluid and, you know, a lot of things going on, difficult season where we've had to pivot and change in regard to work, in regard to being with family, all of those things. Psalm 37, verse 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. How many know that's tough sometimes, to wait patiently, just to wait, period? I'm believing, though, that what's going to drive us, GT Church, I want you to hear me today. You're watching online in Kutztown. This is for all of us. I believe what's gonna drive us is that we love God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. And Jesus said, you need to love your neighbor the way you love yourself. Raise your hand if you love yourself. Okay, I'm gonna ask again. Make sure everybody, raise your hand if you love yourself. There's nothing wrong with loving yourself. The Bible says we've gotta love our neighbor the way we love ourselves. all right? Um, When I think of this mask, now, I will ask this. Raise your hand wherever you are if you love these masks. Just what I thought. Can't stand them. I go, I go grocery shopping. It takes me an extra hour because I need, like, windshield wipers for my glasses. I don't like this mask any more than you do. But I can tell you right now, when I wear it, I think of Matthew 22, that I'm loving my neighbor the way I love myself. This is gonna be the focus of our teaching over the next several weeks. Um, how many of you have learned a little bit more about technology? Like Zoom. Like you wave goodbye in Zoom, or they say, you're muted, you're muted, unmute yourself. How many have ever heard that? Hear it nonstop. You know, when I started in ministry, there wasn't a lot of technology. A landline phone, a typewriter, Man, if you're on chat, just talk about your early days. If you're a kid, ask your mom and dad what a typewriter is. Back in the Stone Ages, we used to do this, and right? GT, when I got here over 30 years ago, had a mimeograph machine. Yeah, you're like, I don't even know what that is, and I'm 80 years old. But here's the biggest deal. Here's the biggest effect, I believe, of the domino, the great struggle the division in our current culture and our events, the division in our country. Think about it. Not only are we having a presidential election, not only do we have the Democrats and the Republicans, we've got these, we've got masks, we believe our rights are being infringed upon, we have social unrest, we have racial things going on, divide and justice and, you know, there's a time and we can feel like Everyone on the planet is our enemy. Everyone's against us. And that's exactly, and that's the word I want to bring to the church today. That's exactly why we in the church, and today I'm going to talk to you, we're talking to the church today. We're never going to have, I'm talking today about unity. We're never going to have unity in the world. My heart and my prayer is that God, give us unity in the church. 
It's gotta start in the house of God. We need to focus on it, we need to pray for it, we need to be living it out in our lives. And that's why we have felt the leading of the Holy Spirit to speak on this idea of counter-cultural. You know, when you look up that uh, definition, I'm gonna read it to you. When you look up the definition of counter-cultural, here, here's what it is. A counterculture is a culture whose values and norms of behavior differ substantially than mainstream society. You say, well, now I gotta think about that. The values and norms of the church, because we're a part of the kingdom of God, they ought to differ value, the what we value, what's normal, the way we act. It ought to be completely different in many ways than what mainstream society is. If you believe that, say amen. amen. That's what it means to be countercultural. Do you, do you know that in the culture we live today, that every day you will hear, every American just about hears six to 10,000 messages a day. Between social media, between the 24-hour news cycle, between all the ways that we hear information and we get ideas and opinions, you know, six to 10,000 a day. And how many of you know, most of those are different? Like all of them are different. It's hard to ignore the divide that's going on in our culture right now. You flip on the news, man, I, of all years, I've known this for every year that we've had a presidential election, it creates that. And then you think about what's been going on in our culture today. You can't, you have to see the divide. We have to recognize that. And we have to, listen, I wanna say this to you. I feel very much like I'm pastoring today. We have to be careful what we're consuming. Not only that, we're not called to ignore culture. And here's what I wanna say. Culture is not our enemy. Culture, we need to leverage the culture for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be light shining in a dark world, the Bible says. So we're not anti-culture, we're not against culture. One of our values is we, we wanna be known for what we're for, not what we're against. Many churches, we're against this, we're against that. We need to tell the world what we're for. We're for the risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the culture we're a part of as Christians, the kingdom of God, it affects the way we treat each other. It affects the way we speak to each other. It affects that I'm, yes, I don't like it, but I'm willing to wear a mask because I wanna love other people the way Christ has loved me. My message today is simply titled this, for the sake of unity. For the sake of unity. Um, when I was in Bible college, we had a guy come speak every year. He was a powerful man of God. His name was Leonard Ravenhill. He's written some great books on revival. And, 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 it just, and one of the quotes that he said years ago, I heard this quote, unity in the church comes from humility in the church. So if we're gonna have unity in the church, that's who we're talking to today. And if you're sitting at home, in your living room, wherever you are, could stand under the tent, here at West Lawn, 1110 Snyder Road, we are the church. And if we want unity in the church, then we've gotta have humility in the church. You got your Bibles today. Turn with me to Matthew 5. That's where we're gonna spend time over the next several weeks. Matthew 5, we're gonna talk about the Beatitudes. We're gonna talk about the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what it says in Matthew 5, 1 through 5. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountain and he sat down. Really interesting, isn't it? Many times in the Bible we realize that when people wanted to commune with God, they went up on a mountain, all right? 
Uh, and that's what Moses did. He went up to Mount Sinai and he, he connected with God. And the Bible says that he sat down. It's interesting to me. Jesus many times didn't teach behind a pulpit. He wasn't standing. He was sitting. He was sitting in a boat. He was sitting on a mountain. He was sitting in a village. He sat when he spoke. His authority didn't come from standing and pounding many times the way preachers do. That's not where his authority came from. His disciples came to him, it says, in verse two, and he began to teach them. And so you think about the Jewish culture. You think of, about the posture of a rabbi. He went up on the mountain. He sat down, and it's almost like he's saying, hey, class is gonna begin. The disciples come around him, and he begins to teach them. They came to him as their, as their master. They were subordinate to that. And here's what he said. He began to say this, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now again, if you've been following God for any amount of time, these are very familiar verses to you. They are the Beatitudes. How many know these things need to affect our attitude? And as I was praying about delivering this message this week, I, I thought about some of the challenges that I that I may have to, to communicate, not only to you, but to my, myself as I'm reading it, is that we may have a preconceived idea about what these verses mean. In fact, some of you may have skepticism to say, well, man, what can we learn new about the Beatitudes? I've heard those all my life. You may be watching today online. You may be here. You may be at Kutztown. You may say, you know what, Brian? I, I, don't even know, I don't even know that this thing is relevant for today. You may be skeptical of that. Can these things that Jesus said thousands of years ago even be relevant today? The Beatitudes are really pervasive in our culture. Uh, Greg referenced this last week, that, and I won't mention the website either, but there are a lot of certain people.coms, and I was on one of them this week, and here's what it said. Uh, it was on their spirit and religion message board. Ready? Here's what they said about the Beatitudes. It might be enlightening if we could each look within ourselves and pick one Beatitude. Think about that. That showed us who we believe ourselves to be. I want to tell you right now, that has nothing to do with the Beatitudes. It's not about ourselves. It's not about what we want. It's not how we see ourselves. The Beatitudes are God saying, this is the way my kingdom's going to run. And it is totally countercultural to what we experience in the world. These aren't just moral platitudes. These aren't mottos. These aren't just little cute phrases. No, this is God giving us the rules to the kingdom. This is, this is like Jesus giving his inaugural address to say this is how my kingdom is gonna operate. This is a vision of life in the kingdom of heaven. In fact, Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of God because he's writing to Jews. And so he's honoring the name of God and he's calling it the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous. In this sermon, Jesus outlines the principles by which the kingdom is ruled. It's, it's not a glimpse of worldly success. I wanna tell you right now, everything we read in the, in the Beatitudes will almost be a mirror image. It'll be the complete opposite of what the world says. Can you imagine the world saying, you know, we need to be poor in spirit. We need to mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. That's the opposite of what Jesus taught us. It's like a mirror image. It's like completely upside down. It is a countercultural thing that Jesus is sharing with us. So I'm gonna share three things with you, and here's number one. Jesus broke the cultural norms. 
you're watching online, you're here at Kutztown, you can download the app. We've got the notes there. Jesus broke the cultural norms. You say, where was this happening? Geographically, from the Gospels and also uh, from the geography of Israel, we know that Jesus is teaching in the north. He's, he's right off this road up in Galilee, in northern Israel, near the Sea of Galilee. That's what the Gospels tell us. I've had the privilege of being in Israel a few times. You can see the map. So he's up near the Sea of Galilee. You've got the Dead Sea at the bottom of Israel. You've got the Jordan River that connects them. He is speaking up in Galilee. This is where the Sermon of the Mount is. And when I was in Israel, uh, there's a church that was built in the fourth century, and it's called the Fishes and Loaves Church. It commemorates the ministry of Jesus in northern Israel in Galilee. And this is where the Sermon on the Mount takes place. And when Jesus begins to speak, he speaks for 111 verses. It's the longest recorded discourse of Jesus in the Gospels. And at the end, you know, and what many theologians call it is the kingdom manifesto. But more important than what theologians call it, the listeners of that day said this. When Matthew gets to the end of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, verse 28, here's what Matthew writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike they're teachers of religious law. So as Jesus begins to introduce these Beatitudes, they're, they're recognized, man, this is real authority. This isn't a scribe or a Pharisee. He's speaking as if he were God. They sense the God's authority. And Jesus is introducing a new and radical teaching that comes from God's authority. It is countercultural. It's counter-religion. It's counter to everything that they have lived, but it's with God's authority. And you say, well, what's he asking about? What's he speaking about? I wanna tell you right now, he's speaking really about two things. He's speaking about Matthew 22, that we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we're to love our neighbors ourselves. He's talking about my kingdom is about loving God with all of your heart, and my kingdom is about loving each other the way you love yourself. Can you imagine, just for a moment, just close your eyes, even at home, can you imagine what our world would be like if everybody loved God with all of their heart? Can you imagine if we loved everybody Red, yellow, black, white. If we love police and politicians, if we loved everybody the way we love ourselves. Can I encourage you today as your pastor? I want, what I, I want to give you some homework. How many liked homework when you were a kid? It's amazing. I went through all high school, never had homework. Isn't that amazing how I never had homework? You know why? Because it was a personal choice. I was a knucklehead. My mom and dad would say, no homework? No, no, I got it all done in study hall. No, I didn't. I talked through study hall. I want to give you some homework. I want to encourage you, man, if you're online, connect in the chat. Tell us if you're going to do this. I want to encourage you this week to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Not just once. I don't care if you got to read it 50 times. I want us to meditate on the Word of God. I want you to read it and meditate on it. You know, we often talk... We just shared with our staff this week, one of the ways, kind of an acrostic I've used for years, when we read the word of God, it's soap. How many use soap? Raise your hand. Look at your neighbor gently with social distancing and say, thank God you use it. Soap, when you say the Bible is, look at the scripture, observe the scripture, make application to your life, and pray over it. S-O-A-P. 
Can I encourage you today to take some soap and take Matthew 5 through 7 and just study it and meditate it and say, God, this is your word. This is your kingdom. I observe this. I want to apply this. Not for that per- for Brian Cuck. I want to apply what you're saying to my life. And God, I'm praying over it right now that you're going to help me to live this out. Jesus preached about loving God, a loving God who loved whosoever. Whosoever. All right? If you're in Matthew 5, I I want you to go there. If you're not there yet, I want to go. and We want to look at this today. Um, Here's the main thing, and I want you to get this. Jesus in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, it's no longer a legalistic code of the restricted things you can do. The Old Testament was always about don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Jesus now is giving us a living covenant. He's giving us not only a living covenant, but these are the promises that are gonna come. You're gonna be blessed if you're poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. He's teaching this powerfully from the Beatitudes. And listen, I wanna tell you, what Jesus said 2,000 years ago is as relevant today as it was the day he spoke it. He is the word. He's the word that became flesh. And when you think about our culture now, when you listen to the news, when you have these interactions, I wanna tell you, if there's ever been a day we need to get back into the Beatitudes, not what we think about ourselves, we need to know how God thinks about us and how we need to think about others. Jesus entered his public ministry by proclaiming this. If you look at the context, Matthew 4, Jesus said this, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Not only that, he took his disciples in Matthew 4 that were fishing for fish, and now he says, come follow me, and you're gonna fish for men. Not only did did he do that, but he did miracles. The Bible says he healed. Look at Matthew 4, verses 23 through 25. He said, I'm just gonna read verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, up there in northern Israel. He went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and notice what else, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So he called people to repent. He changed people's lives and said, you're gonna serve in the kingdom, and he healed every disease. Matthew 5, he begins to tell us what the kingdom of heaven is about and that when the presence of God, when the kingdom of heaven comes to people, it changes their life. Man, wherever you are, Kutztown, online, here, if your life has been changed, raise your hands today. Your life has been changed by the presence of Jesus Christ. As we were singing today and worshiping man, as Dan and the team were leading us, I thought, thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done in my heart. I mentioned Leonard Ravenhill. I mentioned his quote. I'm gonna change it just a little bit. I'm gonna use it as our bottom line. Here's what I want you to hear. Unity in the church comes from humility in our hearts. If we're gonna have humility in the church, you know where it's gonna start? It's gonna start in my heart. I think so much of what's going on today in our culture, and you know this, it's a heart issue. You're not gonna write a law that's gonna change it. You're not gonna elect a politician that's gonna change it. Where it needs to change is in our heart. America needs God. We need God. Most of what we're seeing today, the hatred, the anger, the division, you wonder sometimes like, are they really for America? Or are they just for their party? We need to have our heart changed. When Jesus Christ comes, he liberates people. He changes our heart. 
Secondly, Jesus' teachings are countercultural. I want to look at this. He says, he talks about being blessed. Blessed. Now, it's really important for he says, when blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. What does that really mean? Blessed does not mean holy. And it really doesn't mean happy. And I, I say that because you could literally translate that word paros mean, or, uh, to mean happy, the blessed word to mean happy. But it really doesn't mean happy. We, we tend to put happiness based on our mood. Like, I'm not really in a happy mood. That's, that blessed means more than that. Here's literally what it means. It refers to a fortunate state. You're fortunate. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, blessed or fortunate are the poor in spirit. Now that's interesting, isn't it? It just seems odd. So if you're poor in spirit, you're mourning, you're meek. You say, I don't know, that doesn't seem like it would make me happy. You know why? Because it's countercultural. It's not the, what the world would say. The world would say, if you want to be happy, you need to be strong in spirit. You want to be happy? You need to be joyful, not mournful. You want to be happy? Don't be meek. Be tough, right? Are you with me? He's churning it all around. That's the countercultural teaching that Jesus is giving. It, to me, it's so interesting. When he says blessed are the poor in spirit, we have many times, when we think poor, we think I don't have enough money. So to be poor in spirit, what does that mean? You know what that literally means? It means you are totally dependent upon God. It's not your business card. It's not your degree. It's not the career you have. It's not if you have hair or don't have hair. Can I say amen to that? Poor in spirit means I am totally dependent upon God. Isn't that something we've sensed during this pandemic? That really, you know, we don't have it all figured out. It doesn't matter how educated we are. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Not only that, he says, blessed are those who mourn. And what, what's the idea of mourning? It's, it's not mourning death, a loved one. We think of mourning, it means I lost a loved one, I'm mourning, I'm grieving. No, this, when Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, what it literally means, I mourn myself. I mourn my sinful condition. I mourn my fallen nature. It means that without the mercy of God, I'm lost. Are you with me, church? Total dependence on God, poor in spirit. Mourning. Blessed are the mournful that realize, you know, that I'm a sinner, that I need God. Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy, God, because I mourn my evil. I mourn my wickedness. That's what Jesus is saying. And then he goes on and he says this. He said, blessed are the meek. Now, what we often do is we misunderstand meek. You know how we translate meekness? We translate it into weakness, you don't have a spine, you're not strong, you're just a pushover. Oh, you wanna be meek, just let them slap you around, do whatever. No, that is not meekness. When you think, the Bible says of Moses, he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Was Moses weak? No, Moses mourned. Moses was poor in spirit. Moses said, God, I can't even talk. How am I gonna lead Israel out of Egypt? I can't do it, I'm totally dependent upon you. That's poor in spirit. But Moses was strong. He was a strong leader, leading six million people out of slavery, out of Egypt. But he was meek. You know what meekness is? You need to jot this down. It's strength under control. That's what meekness is. Jesus, when he announced his public ministry, he said the kingdom of God is near. Blessed are the poor in spirit. 
Blessed are those who mourn and realize they know who they really are. Without God's help, they're nothing and they're in big trouble. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. It's not the strong and the people with money. It's not those with power. No, it's the meek, Jesus said, that will inherit the earth. The kingdom of heaven breaks into this world with the words and work of Jesus Christ. He said, blessed. Jesus called, listen, Jesus calling us, you know, later in the Beatitudes, we'll go through this in the weeks to come. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are those who are reviled, insulted. You say, come on, man, Jesus, how, how can being, being insulted and being persecuted, how could I be happy? You know why? Because that's what they did to Jesus. Jesus was persecuted. He insists, Jesus knew that I'm gonna be beaten. I'm gonna have a crown of thorns shoved into my head. I'm gonna be crucified by my hands and feet. They're gonna curse me and insult me, but I'm gonna be obedient to God. And you know what Jesus believed? That God has the final word. He said, one day, this same Jesus you crucified, one day every knee is gonna bow to him. There's not a greater name in the world than Jesus Christ. And Jesus believed that. And friends, if we're gonna be a part of the kingdom, then Jesus wants us to see the future with our eyes. And not only that, it's not just a future blessedness, it's in this moment when we honor God and we're obedient. Final thing, and I'm gonna close with this. Jesus not only broke cultural norms, his teaching was very countercultural. We gotta believe that. And thirdly, Jesus calls us to live counterculturally. And I don't know about you, but that is sometimes what gets hard for us. How am I gonna live this out? How am I gonna live each day poor in spirit? How can I be mournful and remember that God, apart from your forgiveness, I'm a lost soul? How many know it's hard to be meek, right? When the person doesn't use their turn signal? When you're sick of wearing this sorry mask? It's hard. But the kingdom of heaven, when we receive Christ, it infiltrates our heart. God reconstructs our heart. Unity in the church comes from humility in our heart. And that's what I'm praying and believing for as a pastor. That's what's gonna drive GT Church. Not our opinion, not a political party, not a mask, but Jesus Christ is gonna drive our hearts. He's the one that's gonna say, Brian, humble yourself. Just humble yourself. Just be quiet. I know you're an extrovert. Shut your mouth. James says you got two ears and one mouth. Use it in the same relationship. Don't raise your hand, but how many know people that use their mouth twice as much as their ears? I saw that hand raised. This mask. Who would have ever thought it would cause such division? I've heard people say, well, Jesus is my mask. Very, very, it doesn't sound humble to me. It sounds arrogant. Jesus is my mask. Friends, I want to encourage you today. My prayer and what we've been praying for this church and for each of our lives is to say, God, bring humility to my heart. I really want to encourage you this week, man. Grab your Bible. Read Matthew 5 through 7. Read it slowly, meditate. Maybe whatever you're reading, you may, like right now I'm in 1 Thessalonians, but you know what? Each day I'm gonna read Matthew 5 through 7. If you're on the chat, man, just let us know if you're gonna do that. I would strongly encourage that. Listen, in a moment, the team's gonna come. 
And we're gonna sing that beautiful song. We've been singing it for weeks. And to me, it's very powerful. It, it speaks about graves being turned to gardens. When you listen to this song, and I just want you to reflect, you can remain seated in your living room, you can stand at Kutztown, whatever you feel you need to do. I'm gonna pray right now, but I'm praying that this song will impact our lives in a powerful way. Let's pray together. God, we're asking you today, we're asking you for unity in the church. We're asking you, God, for the church to really live the way you've called us to live. God, we acknowledge today, we don't always feel like we're poor in spirit. We're not only, we're not being mournful of our sinful condition. Many times, God, we're certainly not meek. God, our prayer today is for unity in the church. And God, we know that starts with us, with everyone that's listening today. We pray, God, for humility in our heart. God, we wanna live according to your kingdom, not what this world expects of us, God, but what you expect of us, God. We're looking for the applause of heaven. We're looking for your approval today. So God, as we listen to this song, may we just be reminded that your teaching, your kingdom is so countercultural. The values and norms of our behavior gotta change because we're followers of Jesus Christ. You've reached us, God, and we wanna grow in you, and God, we wanna grow in our humility. We wanna grow, Lord, in living out the Beatitudes. And so, God, help us to receive this song today. In your name we pray, amen. search the world but it couldn't fill me a man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough no then you came along and put me back together and every desire is now satisfied here in your love. We say there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing. To show you my weakness, my failures and flaws, Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Oh, cause the God of the mountain is the God of And there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again.
Church, here's what I want to tell you today. Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, it's not a gimmick. It's not a pep talk. It's not a halftime speech. It's not just something to give us a better attitude. What it is, it's a total reconstruction of our heart. When Jesus said to us, blessed are the poor in spirit, what we're saying is, God, my total dependence is upon you. Not three quarters, not 80%, all of it. I am totally dependent upon you. Blessed are the mournful. God, I'm completely insufficient. I'm completely desperate for your grace and your saving power. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's total surrender. I want strength, but I want it to be under control. I want to live in your kingdom. Wherever you're listening right now, I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. Let's just close our eyes. I'm going to pray this prayer, and if you sense God leading you and speaking to you, I want you to pray it with me. Let's pray it out loud. With our masks on, wherever we are, dear God, I come to you right now. I acknowledge my need. I am insufficient. I can't go to heaven on my good works. I'm a sinful person, totally dependent upon you. I surrender control. I surrender my sins, and I receive your grace. Thank you for loving me, God. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I believe the kingdom is near. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe heaven's gonna be my home. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. Wherever you're listening to this, you may be listening it on a podcast, on YouTube, on all the social media. What I want to say to you today is, man, thank God. Heaven is rejoicing right now, wherever and however you're listening to this message. And we want to give you resources. If you're watching online, you can look at the link below. You can always go to our website. There's clear information. We've got a little packet called First Steps. This isn't the end. This is the beginning of a whole new life. And so we want to encourage you to take those first steps as a follower of Jesus Christ. So make sure you give us a good email. Give us good contact information. We can send it to you electronically. Our heart is to reach people for Jesus. Our heart, amen, is to grow in Christ. So I want to pray a word of blessing over us today. Let's pray together. God, we thank you today. Lord, we look forward to the teachings out of Matthew 5, 6, and 7. God, I pray that you would help us to really meditate on these words. God, we are a part of your kingdom, and we are so grateful for that. And God, I pray that as we look at that this week, as we really study it and meditate it on God, that we'll think about our relationship with you, our relationship with others, those that know you and those that don't. We pray for unity in the church. We pray for this country. We pray for America. God, we pray for the elections. We pray for the social injustice. God, we pray for the racial tension. God, you're the only one who can. We don't just sing it, God, but we believe it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Dan, lead us in it one more time. All is nothing. Better than you, Lord, there's nothing Better than you, Lord, there's nothing Nothing is better than you Come on, we declare there's nothing better You turn morning to dancing. You 
For joining us today to kick off our brand new countercultural series. I hope you feel challenged and a pause in your spirit to take a second and really reflect on how you're personally responding to everything that's happening in the culture around us. Now more than ever, we're called to be unified as the church, and that starts with us and humility in our hearts. We're going to be diving into Pastor Brian's message even further this Wednesday in our Growing Together segment on Facebook and YouTube at 7 o'clock. So if you have any questions or if you want to learn a little bit more, you definitely want to join us for that. we got a lot going on here at GT Church and we don't want you to miss out on any of it. So you can stay connected with us by following us on social media everywhere all week long at GT Church Online. You can also download our GT Church app. It's a really great resource. So whether you decided to just follow Jesus today or if you simply want to make sure you know what we have coming up, you can get everything you need there. I hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll see you this Wednesday night for our Growing Together segment at seven o'clock on Facebook and YouTube.